fucking deep. I like it. These guys are jerks. Fucking deep. Bless you, boys. Young men expressing themselves. Unbelievable. Fucking deep. Put it in deep. Austin Matthews feeds it ahead, and away goes Tavares. Got Riley with them. Morgan Riley, game winner. In for a chance to win it, he scores! Kirill, the thrill is for real! Welcome to the NHL, a game winner for Kaprizov, and the Wild win it 4-3 in L.A. Stutzla, one-timer, scores! Stutzla, his first NHL goal! Put it in deep! You know, get pucks deep, putting the puck deep, put pucks in deep, just put the puck deep, getting pucks out, getting pucks deep, pucks in deep, pucks in deep, pucks deep, pucks deep, keep getting pucks deep. Alright everybody, welcome back. Pucks in Deep Podcast, episode 75. In your ears. And with your eyes as well, as that's right, 75 episodes in, and Mr. Adam Lesko and myself are proud to bring you our first dual podcast drop. How you doing, my friend? Not too bad. Not too bad. Lots of time inside, though. Yeah, no kidding. Well, Lots I mean, of time to figure out how to, how to record a podcast on video. <laughs> well... I mean, here's the thing, right? Like, it's 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 a different dynamic. It's going to be a totally different dynamic. Yeah, uh, everybody's going to see how many beers I'm drinking. I guess that's true, man. But like, you guys are listening to us on Spotify. You're listening to us on iTunes. Wherever you guys are, you know, getting your fill. Thank you very much. If you're not subscribing by now and you're already 75 episodes in, let's go. I think you you made a point to the the listeners. If you haven't been subscribed by now, what are you doing? First and what foremost, but. Uh, big news, we do have a new podcast channel, or YouTube channel, I should say, for the podcast. You can check it out on YouTube. It's called Pucks in D Podcast. We were lucky enough to get that name, Lesko, so we must have beat our opposition, Pucks in Deep Junior Junior. We must have beat them we out. We just have Pucks in Deep? Yeah, yeah, it's Pucks in Deep Podcast. You'll see our symbol. We uh, couldn't have just Pucks in Deep, though. Oh, maybe. I'm not sure, but I wanted it to be affiliated with the podcast, right? I, I don't know. Is right. it still called a podcast if it's on video? Or is it called something uh, else? I don't know. <laughs> I don't podcast know, but e- either way. There should be a word for just that. Yeah, either way, we're moving up in the world. Uh, looks like we're going to have some assistance as well on the editing front. Don't want to do any big-time spoilers or anything, but... Uh, I'm looking forward to the very near future, and this is going to be our first and only video that you'll find on our channel, and I can't promise you that it's going to be anytime soon. Let's go, my friend. Uh, you might need to give or me a little time. Look. Yeah, or how good it's going to look or how good it's going to sound. I don't know. This is the first of hopefully many, and uh, I'm really excited, man. It's going to be a fun show. I was panicking a little earlier. I had terrible battery management. Uh, on my phone and I was struggling on, in the battery department. So had to charge it up and I don't know how far we're going to be able to go, but let's, let's just get right at her. Let's go. I mean, uh, follow us on Twitter at Coleman 42 
obviously at the station, which is at Puck Pod, and Mr. Lesko on the right or left side of your screen. I'm not sure what side he's going to be on. Uh, but whatever side he's on, there he is right there. Find him at Lesko Adam. Where are we going, my friend? Well, busy week in the NHL. I mean, five games for the Maple Leafs, couple injuries, couple crazy stories going on. Um, you know, we've got COVID wreaking havoc on NHL franchises and fantasy owners alike. That seems to be the story of the day today, at least anyway, given that four of, you know, you could say arguably the Capitals' top players and most important players are now in COVID pro- uh, protocol, including one of them, their goaltender, Ilya Samsonov, who tested positive. So now you got Ovi, Kuznetsov, and Orlov, who can't play for at least four games, apparently. How crazy is that? Well, I, I don't know, dude. I mean, my first question, not to like immediately start attacking the hard-hitting questions here, but my first question is, how does this even get found out? What do you think about that? Like, how does this even get found out that they were hanging out in the, in the hotel room playing euchre, if you know what I'm saying? So apparently it was uh, contact tracing because um, Samsonov had tested positive, and then when they did the contact tracing, they found out they were chumming around in the hotel room, which, you know, Frank, is it, is it a stupid rule? I'm not sure, but... You it's know, a rule. First I thought that it. I thought that is dumb. Or is it? That's just blanket rules. They can't hang out in their hotel rooms at all. Period. Or was it because Samsonov had to be was in isolation? Oh, those are interesting questions. Because uh, that's that's different. Like at first, my impression, the way Ovi made it sound. Because if you if you haven't heard it already, you gotta check out the statement that Ovi put out. I do have it word for word. Oh, I, w- it I, I wanted to read that big, verbatim. <laughs> sure, you can read it. It's just I'll, I'll tee it up for you. But it's the biggest uh, sorry, not sorry I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> okay, well, you want me to read it? I I don't mean to steal your thunder. I'm just interjecting because I was really looking forward because I I I read the statement to some buddies of mine as we were gaming the other night. I was like, boys, you, you just have to, you have to soak this in. Like, you have to read the statement from the Capitals, which is, of course, long and more elaborate. And then just kind of like an afterthought footnote almost, eh, at the bottom of the, of the release was Ovechkin's statement. And I will read it for you now. I regret my choice to spend time together with, our, with my teammates in our hotel room and away from the locker room areas. I will learn from this experience. Like, flat out, I'm sorry I hung out with my teammates. Yeah, I'm saying sorry because I'm being forced to, I'm being coerced. Which is totally fine. I'm I'm okay with that. I have no problem with the fact that he's unhappy with the fine and what, you know, is, is unfortunately falling down on top of the Washington Capitals right now. But at the end of the day, bro, rules are rules. That's it. Simply yeah. put, rules are rules, and whether they're yeah. stupid or not is not up to you to decide yeah well i mean i guess you can decide that it's stupid but you can't just willingly go out and break the rules because you think it's you think it's fair game i don't know i don't know what uh, to tell you obi clearly had no problem letting us know how he feels <laughs> I you agree. know basically saying i'm getting in shit for hanging out with my teammates and i just thought it was really interesting and i assume it has to do with the non-compliance but so they got the washington Cowboys actually got fined a hundred grand for this and you know, put out that statement and said they were going to be more careful and so on and so forth. But the, uh, there was an interesting 
post that came from Ovechkin's wife on her Instagram where she had was kind of alluding to like well, Russian players being removed and the other players aren't because yeah, and she's all saying, Oh yeah, nobody at the rink is getting it, nobody in the room's getting it. So I guess come to think of it, I guess in terms of whether or not this rule is stupid, it's like, okay, well, Samsonov was around all these guys in the room. They were probably hugging them two days earlier after a W or something. Yeah. And screaming in each other's faces. And yeah, it was no, it was it was the it was the guys in the hotel room that have to miss games because it was outside of the area that they were allowed to not be socially distanced. So it's like these other players could have been exposed too. So I assume they're all getting tested because they're getting tested frequently anyway. Of course. I just find it interesting that that these particular players do the contact tasting are being removed, but none of the other players are being removed as precaution or anything. So I don't know. T- take a look at it if you have a chance. It's been reposted around the internet a few times. Um, she also alluded to um, Ovi and Orlov apparently having antibodies. Which who knows what Russian doctor told him that? I have no idea if that's true or okay. not. We have probably have no way of knowing if that's true or not. I just thought it was interesting that she put that out there. Okay, wait. So what did his wife actually tweet? Like she just kind of brought up the fact that oh hey you know th- she wrote a huge paragraph and like I I would be lying if I said I read it all in detail. But the gist <laughs> of it was like she was saying like well why are the Russian guys getting all sad out? And none of the other players are because they were around each other. Because those were the, the guys. Same. Those are the guys that were in the uh, in the hotel room together, right? Yeah. So and, and that so I, I wanted to mention to you as well that like what I understood and this I, I I heard this from Elliot Friedman. I think he was on the radio or something. He was on something. I was listening to it, and he was saying that it it's definitely not a situation where the decision will be made depending on who the players are like are they super important players are they third line player can we play the game without these guys you know they are not making their decision based on that at all they're making the decision based on the advice from the medical professionals which will entail an investigation to determine whether or not you should shut the facility down and block everyone off so while i understand your point about you know they're they're hugging each other and that's everyone's point mine too i'm not like arguing it but in this specific yeah. isolated scenario, these guys broke the protocol together, so they're able to, I guess, move forward, play their games, not worry about having to postpone, and just isolate the guys that were a part of the incident and hope that no one else yeah. tests positive, which is what you said, rapid testing. If one of the other guys tests positive and it comes back tomorrow, well, then we're shutting it down. Yeah, I, I imagine. I don't know what the threshold is before they shut the rink down and start postponing games. But we've already seen that, obviously, Dallas Stars, right off the bat, mm-hmm. uh, I believe three of their games got postponed the first week of the season. And now uh, Carolina Hurricanes have five or six guys who are in the COVID protocols and now are postponing or uh, talking about postponing some games there as well. And uh, even I know they were asking uh, the team about Brindamore, they were asking about canceling. And he's like, no, it's absolutely not an option. But to kind of take things back to what I was referring to earlier in fantasy madness here is that it's really screwed with a lot of people. And, you know, when you're looking at a finite amount of time, say you're in a head to head and you're doing a week, you know, let's say a team that you've 
heavily invested in, say you got two or you maybe even three players on a team, yeah. you know, or you lose your starting goalie or something like that for a week, you know, that's tough sledding there for you. So it's it's an interesting dynamic. I've seen a flurry of interesting moves in the league that I'm in. Yeah. And I've also noticed that uh, some something that we actually talked about off the air uh, last time we were together or speaking was – uh, I believe it was after we had Alberg on and we had a chat about, um, you know, his fantasy picks and things like that. And I, I believe I messaged you the next day to say, I, I think I'm going to try and focus as much as I can on players based on Canada. Yes. Because I feel like they're less likely to get COVID. Absolutely. And already we're seeing it in the States. There's three teams right now that have been impacted in the States. I know there's more teams in the States, so it's more likely just by probabilities. But due to the nature of the situation down there, I, you know, it it was useful for me to kind of focus my picks as much as I could on Canadian teams. Yeah. I think that was a huge strength. And you know, if, if you had that as a part of your strategy going into your drafts, I think you're very happy with your results, to be honest with you. I mean, for, for myself, I, I got a couple of players uh, in the North division. Uh, you know, I, I didn't, I can't say that I did a bunch of it, but a couple times I had a choice between player A and player B and I went with player A because of the fact that he was in the North division, even though I wasn't, you know, I, it was kind of flip a coin, but once I considered that fact, it became no longer a coin flip because it was like, I just feel safer that this player will continue to play all season long and not have any PPDs or IR plus or N slash a in my fucking Yahoo fantasy pool. You know, I'm getting messages yeah. from the guys in the league right now. They want me to add more spots, add more spots. I said, listen, like some guys are actually going on the IR. I don't know if you've noticed that in fantasy. Like Tavo, or I guess no, Tavo Teravine actually had another injury as well. But I think right. like there have been instances where players on the COVID protocol, like Blake Coleman is a good example. Blake Coleman, have, have him in a league. He went on the uh, – uh, COVID protocol, and he was allowed to be put on the IR. But in other scenarios, it's just postponed. So, yeah, like postpones when the games are actually postponed. Right. This is when I think the player is just not playing. Yeah, he misses the game too. Like, so if he miss, okay, I see it. So if he misses the game, then then I can put him on my uh, IR and I can pick someone else up. So that's like part of the conversation I was having with some of the guys in my pool is like, you can't just. If your if your guy's postponed, you can't just stash him and pick up a free agent. Like that's not how the pool works. Right. Like postponed is different. They're yeah. gonna they're gonna play the games. They may even play the games yeah. later this month. You know, or maybe yeah, not yet. But you know, it'll be interesting to see when they can uh, get those games in. Because like you had mentioned when we had this conversation last week, was that if you end up in a situation where these games get tacked on at the end of the season, that could be into the playoffs of a lot of fantasy pools and not really benefit your season standing mm -hmm. or even your qualification. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I think early on, I do believe, and I think we had this conversation as well when we were chatting fantasy, you know, schedule manipulation is such a huge thing in fantasy, man. I always have so many little paperwork and stuff that I've got done for my pools. Uh, I, I believe each team has enough space within the regular season. And I mean, I wouldn't look, I didn't look too deeply into this, but I would imagine that this is part of the schedule makers job. Lesko would be to ensure that within this division, there are crossover blank dates. So certain teams can meet certain teams and we can definitely get extra games in if need be. And we are already seeing that with some of the rescheduled games actually happening 
quite soon. Actually, I believe they're, you know, the postponed games are happening soon. So it's not just being added on to the end of the season. However, we have no idea how bad this is going to be. In, in terms of, you know, teams missing games, players missing games, facilities being shut down. We don't know. We don't know what to expect. So, you know, I, I just cross my fingers and hope that we don't get into a situation where we're extending the regular season well beyond. Because I, I just, let's go, I don't want to affect the 2021-2022 NHL season, Seattle Kraken's first year in the league. I don't want to ruin that. I want that to go really smoothly. And I believe that the NHL most likely agrees with you on that, that there's no way they want to see this uh, drag out longer than it has to. Um, you got to assume that they have uh, factored in the possibility that there will be some postponed games and situations or segments of the schedule where they're going to have to squeeze some in. And it's made things pretty crazy, too. Uh, I'm not off to the greatest start as far as the uh, betting goes, uh, so far this NHL season and a lot of times it's like you're forgetting uh, there's other factors at play here it's like you know the Maple Leafs played five games in what seven days here to start to kick off the season six days so it's been it's been a wild start to the year for some teams and guys are playing back-to-backs uh, guys are end up playing third string goalies yeah. we've already seen a lot of crazy stuff and, and a lot of last minute lineup changes and things you can't factor in. So it's, it's definitely, I mean, we knew it was going to be a unique year to begin with, but it seems that we're, I mean, we're already a weekend and we've seen a lot of repercussions uh, to the protocols and to being outside that bubble. What were your thoughts when, you know, and I, I don't want to stick on this, but I did have to ask you what, what were your thoughts when it was announced that Washington had TBA next to their list and then subsequently got slapped with the fine and then just like what seemed like minutes after released the names. So they still got the fine. They ended up releasing the names anyway. What, what was your thought? Like, was that a bit of a circus show or what? Like, or were they forced into doing it by Batman or something? Like, what do you think? I think they had everything teed up. Like, you know, whatever happened, between the league and the Washington Capitals happened all behind the scenes. And then they're like, hey, we need everything lined up here. We need our statement uh, finding you, your statement from the team. And, you know, I'm sure that and the team subsequently went to Ovi and said, yeah, we need something out of you too. Okay. Because he's, where's the C? Yeah, okay. Where's the C? And he's got to say something. And knowing that their names would be exposed because they're all going off. And it's like, people are going to ask questions. It's like, Let's pre-answer all the questions. Let's get ahead of this. Let's let all the news hit at once instead of dragging this out over a course of a day. And people are criticizing the NHL because they're like, well, they're getting away with this. And then they're like, oh, well, actually, we're fine them and so on and so forth. So from a PR standpoint, the way that happened all at once instead of trickling out, it, I think it favored all parties involved. Do you think it was as suspicious timing? Like, was the timing as suspicious or more than the Eugene tweet, I'm, I'm having people in the building, and then two hours later be like, oh, wait, never mind, not having people in the building, we'll follow all protocols. It was, 
so what was wrong with that was the timing of that announcement. That was so right? bad. It was the day that that Dougie Ford was announcing lockdowns here lockdowns. in Ontario. And it's like, man, could you be any more tone deaf? And it's like, I don't know if they just already had that scheduled into the tweet schedule or whatever. <laughs> but it was so. The, oh, like, that's a great good point. Before. They were announcing them. And it's like, I know we, we had known for probably four or five days at this point as well that this was happening. So mm-hmm. it, it just sounded tone deaf and, and tone deaf and stupid. But what he was saying wasn't awful by any means. It was the fact that we were getting locked down on the day that he was throwing that out there. And he had already thrown it out there, but he had, I guess, released like what his plan was. Yeah. And I'm sure there will be a time and a place where the government will be open to you pitching that to them. Uh, you know, their plan for safe, socially distanced hockey game experience. And let's be honest, I mean, Ottawa centers need butts in the seats as much as anybody in the NHL. So, I can't completely knock Melnick this time. I'm going to give him a half kick on the ass for <laughs> the timing of it, but I will give him an A for effort and ambition. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll take it. My question is just like, does he not? it's like he doesn't have a PR guy. He mustn't have he a PR guy. He doesn't, or he doesn't listen to them. Like, they got to be working on a skeleton crew. Did you see the, their mugshot photographs? They're all <laughs> fishbowl lenses? Like, no. I did. Looks like someone took him with an old GoPro or something, like a Hero <laughs> Two. Like they're all this... like, they all look terrible. Like they all, I don't know. How, I was trying to show it on my camera here. Like, they all look terrible, and it's like it looks like somebody had the fisheye lens on their iPhone going. Oh, I did. Like I, saw, I saw that in the prep. They all look like bad. They look like bad school pictures on on, on Jersey Day. <laughs> I, at first, I thought you said Babs, so let's just immediately jump right into Babcock, man. We got to talk about Mike Babcock. What is going right. on? That Babcock. that LeBron piece was terrible, and I love Pierre LeBron. I do. I really do. I think he's great. I think he's great on camera. I like the way he writes. Yeah, if you want to pick him apart for a couple articles, whatever, but I like what he offers, and that piece, I mean... You look up the definition of puff piece and it'll be like forwarding you right right to the article. Like, yeah, I thought, go ahead. And he was getting trolled pretty hard for it online. I was, I was getting a laugh. Was he? Yeah. uh, I didn't notice that. Some some people were like, Hey, are you going to interview Trump next? Like what, what's your next move? (laughs) Oh, I did see that one. I did see that one. Yeah. 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 So, so anyway, it was, it was part of the Babcock redemption tour. And you, you know, that, when he granted that exclusive interview to the to the athletic and Pierre LeBron, somebody trusted, you know, somebody wasn't going to go to town on him and let him tell his story. And it's interesting because he, I imagine it from what Pierre LeBron was thinking from his shoes. And he's like, hey, I'm going to approach this as a journalist. I'm going to let him tell a story and I'm going to report it as such. I'm not going to get too much into the prequel or what this all means or get deep into it because that story has been told and speculated on already. So I, I get it a little bit and how he might approach it, but it just feels like it lacks a lot of context. And, and let's be honest, like Pierre run, not, I wouldn't describe him as a journalist. He's an insider. He's an analyst. He gets the I would scoop. Say. Not a journalist. He's not going to He's not going to sit there and grill Mike Babcock on what happened. Like Mike Babcock wasn't going to go talk to Jonas Siegel of the athletic 
You know, he wasn't going to go on TSN 1050 and do a hit with Brian Hayes. Yeah. Right? Oh, King Hayes there. He's going to start grilling him. So this is a very carefully – and it was it was very obvious this was going to happen. As soon as I heard he was going on NBC, I was like, well, I can't wait for the first piece to come out, and this is it. And I, there might be some more. I just think that I, – I honestly think that the LeBron piece did more damage than it did good. That's what I think. Like, he, he chose to play the victim. He played the victim. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. He played the victim on both the Marner situation and the fucking, uh, and the Johan Franzen situation. Unreal. And, and the Franzen situation. Cause, and that one, that story was even more disgusting than the Marner story. And, you know, his version of events was, it was, court, it was like, well, it's like, the way he explained it was, oh, it's it's not not exactly my fault, but I guess it is my fault, and it was it was kind of my fault, but... without apologizing. I, I don't know how to describe it. Like it was he was owning up to it, but basically saying at the same time, like, well, I didn't um, agree with the, the their side of the story or the stories that were put out there. Yeah, I mean, so, like I, I know I I know I ran over you on the sidewalk, but I mean, you you could have been at home. Yeah. You know, it's he, my he fault, but it's my his, fault, but like, you know, <laughs> not really. He has he deserves to have his day in the court of public opinion. Yeah, fair. And maybe as far as easing him into the public sphere again will be fine with your casual fan, but I think people who have paid all attention to either the Red Wings or the Maple Leafs might not have seen that in a positive light much like you're saying is that it, it, it somewhat made him look like, let's be honest. And by all accounts, the guy is a bit of a dick. And so it's very hard for him. And given his brash demeanor as well, for him to come off as, as overly affable and likable. I like him in the sense that he's a character. He's, he's interesting in the way that he speaks, although I find it very cryptic and annoying. So it's going to be interesting to see how the analyst position treats him. Because he's going to have to be a little more direct and not rely so much on Babcockisms, I think, to get by. Dude, brash demeanor. Did you uh, read that in one of your books behind you there? Uh, I hope so. It's a nice term. I think you. I think you probably read it in one of those books you got there. I like. I like how you're showing off your collection of books, like as if you read any of them. Did you read all those books, or at least some of them? I'm gonna say a solid like half. <laughs> Okay. Believe it or not, though, a few of them, a few of them are actually books that I had to buy for university. And they're I still there because I'm like, I was like, these are good ones. Either, but I said there are a portion of them that I have actually never read and okay. intended on reading some point or another. Well, what do you what do you think of my backdrop? I'm gonna give you a chance to soak it all in because I'm gonna go and put this light on. But my mic, my our nice new uh, headset here. Is gonna reach the light switch, so I'll give you a nice look here at my uh, at my setup. This is gonna be terrible for our audio listeners, but then hey, just jump over to YouTube, right? What am I saying? Yeah, what do you think of that? Look at uh, all your fine things, your little McDonald's trophies. I got that somewhere, dude. Do you? Do you? Yeah, ha- oh yeah, I got the whole set. Do you have them in the plastic though? Oh, 100 percent. Like that's what's up. I wish they'd as make if it, as if it's worth anything. I wish they'd make something like this again, man. Like I, I love collecting that shit, you know. And clearly, I also like collecting they used to have bottles cool, of pink Whitney. Uh, 
used to have those cool reflective hockey cards back in the day. I love those things. And when you turn them, it would like make it look like the guy was skating. Yeah, this was, way, that was, like, way, this way, that way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, or they're shooting the puck or something. It was like right in that era of like Hall of Fame players, Eric Landros, Yager, Lemieux, Gretzky, like, Gilmore. I, Hooray, yeah, I, I remember a, those. Such a cool ones. Yeah, I remember those. Uh, I'm so proud that I that I was able to to keep them and and keep them in great shape and and not uh, like I guess obviously the actual trophies themselves came in little boxes, so I, I guess it loses a little bit of value there. But I mean, like it's such a sweet thing to have on display, and I was so pumped to be able to use it for the podcast background, even though I'm gonna kind of sit right in front of it. I don't know. It's 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 uh it's worthy of being back in there. And there's an example of one of our hoodies uh, that you guys can uh, that you guys can buy on our website. We're gonna put the link uh, down below in the video. And uh, yeah, spend some money on some merch. That would be fantastic. We could use some better equipment uh, than what we have going right now. <laughs> the setup is rather not ideal, but I think we're making it work. Let's go. I'm. Uh, I think this is going quite well here for our first video episode. I'm pretty excited about it. I think we're doing just fine, my friend, just fine. So one more thing I did want to tack on to the end of the Babcock conversation. You might have caught me looking down at my phone here. But uh, Mike Commodore, who always has an interesting take. Known Babcock fan, big fan. No, Known Babcock fan is right. So I'll just read his tweet verbatim because it is, it is something. And he goes off on him quite a bit. Probably hasn't in a while, but obviously knowing – when I saw that Babcock was back in the public space, I knew that Kami would have something to say about it. So he tweets, Folks, Babcock let one year pass, and now he's on the Rehab My Image tour. Don't let him fool you. Every word that comes out of his mouth is bullshit. He's a bully. Babs, you're lucky you weren't outed 15 years ago. You made your money. Now fuck off, you arrogant piece of shit. Hashtag Fuck Babs. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm glad you do this digging, bro, because I didn't know about that. Nobody brought that to my attention. I'm glad you I'm glad you do your digging on this because that is a juicy bit. I used to fucking I used to be all over Commodore, like not actually on Twitter or whatever, but I used to be all over Commodore and be like, fuck man, this guy just hates Babcock, like whatever, man. Like, you know, and then it's very quickly, I was gonna say slowly, but it wasn't slow. Very quickly I was like I understand where this guy's coming from. <laughs> like, get him out of here, you know? And, uh, yeah, he, he's very outspoken. And, I mean, not, not mincing words, I can tell you that much. Not that I think that there's anything wrong with a couple of F-bombs and a couple of S-bombs or whatever. Like, he didn't go offside or anything. He just went vulgar. And, and oftentimes, let's go, as we've discussed in the, in, in the past, like even when we were discussing starting the podcast and, you know, cursing and what to do. And it was like, sometimes it's just necessary. A lot of the times it's completely unnecessary. And that's just, I mean, I, maybe I can blame it on the Valley accent or Valley slang, but sometimes it's necessary to drive your point home. And in this case, Commodore could not dislike Babcock any more than he does right now or ever in the past. And he just lets us know it. I mean, you don't even have to ask him how he really feels because he told us. He told us already. Yeah. So what do you think is a bigger contributor to your swearing habits? Because mine are pretty bad. And do you think, is it organized sports or just Valley culture? That's such a good question because originally I was going to take your bait and say sports, but... 
It's not. Like, it, it's not. I mean, I, I actually don't really remember cursing a whole lot in sports other than maybe, like, you know, quietly to myself or something. Like, you get hit with a pitch in baseball, like, oh, fuck, you know, or something like that. But it wasn't, like, talking amongst your friends, whereas that's how I swear now these days is talking to my friends and saying, like, oh, my God, like, is it ever fucking snowing out there? Like, it's a completely unnecessary for me to say that about the snow, but it's really fucking snowing, man. Like, it's really snowing out there. Like, I have to put some really emphasis. trying to drive the point home. Yeah, I'm trying to drive the point home. So, uh, honestly, as much as I feel like it could be described as an excuse or an out or something like that, an oot, I, I actually do think that it is the, the culture of being around here. And, and honestly, let's go, as you know, like I'm an insurance broker and I discuss things with clients. Some clients are very, you know, by the book and they're very respectable and, you know, they're very prim and proper. And, and I enjoy having those conversations. Yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. And then other times my, Your phone my voice. yeah, like other times my guys call me and they, Hey, Josh, what the fuck is going on today? You know? And I'm just right back at him talking, talking like that to him, you know, cause I'm a good guy, local guy. And I want to make you feel oh, at home. Not too bad, Bobby, old <laughs> fucking bag liquor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So it, it's funny. You yeah. can kind of turn it on and turn it off. And as you know, I also do broadcasting for the lumber Kings. Like I have never even once come close to almost swearing. It's just something that yeah. does not cross my mind whatsoever because I'm in a professional uh, you know atmosphere and I got the headset on and I imagine I could easily do it for this podcast although I'm pretty sure I dropped one f-bomb in the Luke Fox episode <laughs> where we said we were going to keep it clean but it wasn't during his interview it was earlier on in the show um, so that just goes to show you even when I think I cannot do it sometimes I can't help myself I definitely try my best I guess one of the challenges when we started the show and, and trying to find my voice and how I was going to conduct myself, it's like, yeah, I got to be myself. So that involves probably dropping the odd F-bomb, but it's like, I also want to be eloquent and, and carry a, a point and a story well. So it's right. trying to strike that balance of, of being articulate, but also expressing yourself and, and being yourself to a certain degree. So I, I think anybody who's familiar with our content knows that, uh, uh, we're not shy to to say things the way that we'd like to say them, and that's just the fucking way it is. So, that's just the fucking um, way move, it is. <laughs> moving on. Well, moving actually, on just here, quickly I, before we do move on to the next one, while yeah. we're on the topic of you know free speech and being able to say what we feel and and not really mince any words, uh, how about Voracek? In that post-game interview with that, and I don't have oh, much yeah. on it. I don't have much on it, but I was wondering if you happened to see the guy asked him a question, and he started answering the question, and then he was just like, "You know, I, I wasn't going to answer your question because you're such a weasel. Like you're you're just such a little weasel," he says. I don't want to answer your question, but then he answered it anyway. And then it was just, you, you got to look it up for the listeners and viewers that haven't seen it. Uh, you got to look it up. Voracek uh, lips off to the reporter. It was, it was on the, you know, it made its rounds. It's pretty funny. I thought it was pretty hilarious. I thought it was, I thought it was great. And I, I just, I enjoy that kind of stuff, you know, whether it's warranted or not, but he, uh, he didn't hold back at all. And I'm just pulling up the quote right now so I can share it with our listeners. I should have put it in the intro. I was thinking about it, but it was it was too long and it was it was kind of anticlimactic. And we haven't had an episode since we actually came back and played. So I really wanted yeah. to get some, I really wanted to get the highlights in there. But it is a great so listen. He, 
if you guys heard Austin Matthews when he decided to put Steve Simmons in his place there yeah. uh, during return to play, he was pretty. It was pretty nice to him, comparative to what Voracek had to say to this guy, where he says, "Doesn't matter what I say, Mike. You're gonna write fucking shit every time. Yeah. So it doesn't matter what you say. Yeah, it feels different. I mean, we got four points out of those first two games, and uh, I wasn't even gonna answer your question because." You're such a weasel. It's not even funny. Next question. <laughs> like, I should have used it. I should have used it. I'm an idiot. I'll use it next week. I'll use it this next week. It's so good, though, because he he answers the question, and then mid-answer, he's like, also, you like, fucking weasel. <laughs> he sandwiched an answer between two insults. He did insult, answer, Insult. It was fantastic. <laughs> it's so true. It doesn't matter what I say. You're just going to write fucking shit anyways. Like, way to carve that guy down, man. Like, carve them right down. And then just make sure he knows that he's a little weasel at the end there. Next question. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not sure if, uh, you know, he'll be high in the queue as far as the Zoom questions go <laughs> next time they're doing a presser. In the queue. Speaking of the queue, what do we got next, my friend? Where are we going next? Busy action. I Lots did want to shit to take on. Yeah, of course. We haven't really uh, before we get into the Maple Leafs. I figure that's what we'll be going next here. I did want to just briefly mention uh, Artemi Panarin because we did talk about it previously when he had uh, spoken to a Russian um, outlet where he did, in fact, express dissent towards dear leader Putin in Russia. And just today, he did post and express his support for the opposition leader in Russia, who uh, Alexei Navalny, if you're not following this character, um, he was arrested on Sunday after returning to Russia. He was in Germany for five months, recovering from a poisoning by, guess who, the Russian government. And so this is another example of Panarin kind of sticking his neck out there and, and, and you know, doing what, you know, we it, we frankly haven't seen. We don't see a lot of this political activism among NHLers, period. But we do see a lot of Russian players stroking off Putin, OV being one of them. So for Panarin to go out there and do this again, I, I, I respect it. And if you have an opportunity and you don't know who Alexei Navalny is, I implore you to read up on this guy, especially the most recent story about how he proved that the Russian government stalked him and subsequently poisoned him. So worth a, worth a read if you uh, want to know what it's like on the other side of the world. Wow. Wow. Lots to unpack. Lots to unpack. First question. Uh, like, is this, is this coming up shortly here? Like, are we going to hear about some shit? Like, this guy's recovering. He was in prison. Like, is this something that's going to so explode like on global news in the next like oh, short little while? Well, it's been on, it's been in global news for quite some time, obviously when it happened and they got him out of the country, got him over in Germany and were able to survive this poison poisoning attempt. And so the reason why it's back in the global news was because he returned to Russia and was arrested immediately. Wow. Okay. Or I, I'm not sure. Not dying. I'm, I'm not sure what the what the law was. Rabble rousing or something of the sort. Okay. Wow. So do you think that creates any sort of tension between Ovechkin and some of his Russian, uh, you know, 
teammates around the NHL? I don't know. And it, it seems that it's not a very common topic of discussion around there. I mean, even in Russian culture, it's, it's always in the way that censorship and the former Soviet Union has impacted what is there today. It's not a popular mantle to oppose the government, right? especially an authoritarian regime, let alone the previous communist regimes. It's just become bred out of their nature, so to speak. So I, I think it's just, it's unique in the NHL for a player to be this active politically, even if it is just a little shout out here and there. And, and it's even less common for a Russian person to speak out like that in opposition to the government. Right. As opposed to going and set up Putin for eight goals in the CKSA, whatever super game they play where they all make him feel good about himself once a year. Biggest five hole in the league. They should have just had me go over. He would have buried he's at least four he, of them on he's the five MVP every time. Well, if you stop too many shots, they send you to fucking Siberia. Siberia. That's exactly where you're headed. You had a save percentage over 790. You're out of here. Fucking out of here. No vodka. Not invited back to the game. Yeah, no vodka. Straight in the train car. Going north. (laughs) Headed north. To the mountains. So north. How about the north division? Oh. we liking it. You know what? Lots of games. It's exciting, man. And I'll say this right now. The first week, I did the absolute best I could to satisfy the, the you know the the my desire to watch hockey as well as Kirsty's desire to have me around so like because we have the garage this is the garage by the way this is where we're at we're in the garage here at the farmhouse or at least I am uh you know so this is where I hang out I like, this is my man cave I got the xbox and the tv over there uh you know and to be completely honest with you I would have loved to have just been out here point blank from 7.09 till, you know, the end, whenever I felt like going to sleep. But unfortunately, so far, I've only been able to watch all the Leaf games, like in their entirety, all the Leaf games. I've had to catch up mostly on highlights and game recaps for for other games, which really disappoints me because it's so interesting and every game is so important, let's go, with the shortened season and the fact that every point that you lose remains in your division and I mean, the scoreboard watching starts now, bro. It doesn't start later. I know yeah. it'll, I know it'll ramp up later and everything, but it really matters now. Like, really, really, really matters. So, uh, I have caught yeah. a little, there's you know, no, bits and pieces. It's been a really exciting week, man. Really exciting week. Yeah, there's no Tuesday night game against the last place team and out of your division and or a late, you know, West Coast road trip, ten thirty game in Anaheim. Right. So it's it's very meaningful games and. You know, it's been a bit of a mixed bag for the Maple Leaf season so far. I'm going to say that there are quite a few things that I've enjoyed about their play. Um, but I think there is some degree of concern, especially after last night versus the Oilers, that we might not have seen the level of offensive output we expect from this team. Yeah, I think uh, what I, you know, what I thought as well, and I agreed with some of the reports that I was reading the next day, was that the the Leafs just struggled to create things themselves, uh, things that we've become accustomed to them doing over the last couple seasons. Now, that being said, creativity doesn't 
come without a little bit of risk, Lesko. Just a little bit, you know? And when we were allowing more risky plays to occur, they were ending up in the back of our net. So now that we're a little bit less creative out there than we're accustomed to seeing or maybe that we would like to see, we do have to, at the same time, understand the fact that we have been giving up less. Uh, and, you know, as far as last night's game is concerned, in my opinion, two shit bounces for the Leafs. One, we shoot in our own fucking net. And the other one gets deflected off someone's ass right over to dry sidle and he scores. Like, what do you want? Yeah. You know, it was a good game uh, yeah, as far as Freddie is concerned. Uh, I know everyone wanted to jump and fucking pile on the Leafs and trash on them for not being able to beat the, the terrible Oilers or whatever you wanted to say. At the end of the day, I, I was okay with the loss. To be completely honest with you, Lesko, I had them pegged for a loss last night just because it felt that way. And I was really – what I was f- afraid of, dude, was the, the complete stinker. Like, no show, McDavid, mm-hmm. five points, Dreisaitl, three points. It's, like, completely yeah. steamrolled. And that's not what happened. It was just a bit of a bouncy game, back and forth. Uh, they got some bounces. We didn't create as much as we'd like to, and I'm not giving them an out here. But I just – I think it's okay. I'd like to just wipe it, move on. We yeah. lose Joe Thornton, which is a big deal. But I think that creates space for Hyman to jump up in the lineup, and you know how I feel about that. Um, so I'm looking forward to, to, to Friday. I think the Leafs are going to bounce back in a big way on Friday. Yeah, I mean, there's there's two sides of the coin last night, and one of them you already mentioned is that there's a bad bounce, a bad penalty call that pretty much cost them the game right there. Uh, but the other side of the coin, and something that definitely has to be addressed, it was that the lack of generating offense. And it was it was concerning in that they still managed to hold the puck, uh, win face-offs, um, you know, they, they drove possession and had a lot of ozone time, but did not unfortunately translate that into quality scoring chances. They were held to the perimeter. Uh, Edmonton was collapsing everyone back and keeping them out of the middle of the ice. Now that's where they do their damage is in that home plate area all the time. If you look at the most successful games, it's, it's the, the amount of chances they generate there. So they're going to have to find a way to get inside and it might be, uh, based on what you're saying, it's getting a little more individual efforts and guys find their way to the net. But they're going to have to find a way to break that down and stop playing so much in the perimeter. And and really goes back to uh, characteristics that has I feel is a defining one of this this era of Maple Leafs, and that's the overpassing that we've become accustomed to seeing. It's the not putting pucks on net. And when you do put pucks on net, they're from the outside and they're, they're not – actual scoring chances you know the shot selection becomes poor whereas there i feel like the the, the skills there we, there's no question about it we already know that and they they did play the game plan i think they wanted to play last night and that was shut down mcdavid they did that successfully and they owned the puck they did that they just didn't generate enough and they didn't make Koskin and sweat enough yeah i agree man i think that's a good summary as well um let me ask you this. If, if I told you prior to puck drop that the Leafs were going to play that exact game, uh, maybe I just told you what the score was going to be. 3-1 with an empty netter for the Oilers, um, and McDavid held to whatever he got. Did he get any? Did he get an apple? I, he, I'm sure he got an apple. I don't know off the top of my head. But I don't know. He didn't score. Anyway, so. point is, what I wanted to ask you is if I told you that that was the, that was the tale of the tape, 3-1 empty netter, 
and McDavid didn't scare me at all, or maybe once, like maybe once I was a little scared of what he was doing and where he was taking it. Good, and I, and I kind of went like, oh, oh, no. But, but then we shut him down. One time, fucking Hall made the nicest play in the history and just angled him to the outside. And I was like fucking standing up at my couch being like, that is what is up. Like, that is what you do. And we lose the game. Fine. Like, fuck, man. Throw it in the bucket. We played great. I know. It, I don't know if we played great. I, we we played great at certain moments. We kept them to they the outside, good, we, but not good enough. Limited his space. I think we. I think a lot of the players were a little too concentrated on the McDavid and Drysaddle factor, and less concentrated on doing our own fucking thing. And that's what I think is going to happen on Friday. I think it'll be hopefully a better balance of the two. What I'm interested to see is if we go away, like shift a little bit away from defending McDavid and Dreisaitl and more into playing our own game, I wonder if that means it'll be 6-5 Leafs. With Matthews with yeah, three and, and think- McDavid with three, like a hattie hattie like OV and Crosby did yeah. growing up. You know, like I think that we could be in store for something like that on Friday if Keith decides to, you know, he's going to blend up the lines a little bit. I really hope that Hyman gets up there. Hyman up there with our boy Poppy, man. And it'll just be a, well, it'll be a shootout. questionable too now. So let's not get too excited because Matthews left practice today. Wasn't feeling good after the game. I know, but so it's got to be okay. A, it's got to be a scary okay. thing. Like I, I, I'm hoping he is. And, and we don't know a whole lot of, I, I'm going to say that Jumbo Joe looked injured. Yeah, he's he up for a while. Pretty serious with whatever happened there. I know we kind of glossed over that earlier, but that is, you know, definitely a huge concern for them right now. And I think it does open up space for Zach Hyman to get on that line. Um, I do want to sh- like definitely shout out Matthews' play last night, though. I thought he was fantastic out there. He was, you know, that goal is underrated. Everyone's like, oh, bad one for Koska. No, Matthews was looking in front of the net, and not Koska didn't physically cheat on that. He didn't move. He didn't move at all. He didn't even move when he reacted to the shot, but he was looking. He was looking already in his peripherals, looking to who he could pass to in that situation, given the bad angle, and Matthew snuck it in there. But I'm 50-50 on that. I'm 50-50 on that. Yeah, Yeah, it's a nice goal, but it is also bad on Koskinen. Like, come on, let's go. If if Freddie lets that in. You're right. Yeah, Freddie lets that in. We're not going to be too happy about it. You know, but you'll give it up. You'll give it up to Matthews, McDavid, Crosby, McKinnon. Like, you'll you'll give it up to these guys, but it's still not great. And the deception was there. Like, it's, Mm -hmm. it was, and, but you're right. Anytime you see that going on a goaltender, you're going to wish he had that. Yeah, for sure. Um, Matthews, McDavid matchup, you could say somewhat disappointed, but, uh, Maybe not so much for us, given the fact that we could say Matthews, I think, kind of won the night if we're going to look at that direct head-to-head matchup there. I think so. Uh, Matthews, he scores uh, the goal, and he had a really, really nice uh, one one incredible defensive play on McDavid. It was somewhere around the Leafs' blue line where, like, one extra stride and McDavid would have been wide. Like, he would have peeled wide and been home free. And, and Matthews just hit him with the stick lift. He didn't actually steal it. But he hit him with the stick lift, and then it got poked into the corner, and it was another fantastic play. Like a team team effort, team defense. We lose the game. I get it, but I like what I saw in that regard. Yeah, Matthews is most definitely really showing the 200-foot game uh, that we've been you know, excited for him to, to grow into that role. 
And, uh, you know, as far as going up to McDavid uh, against McDavid, he beat McDavid. Uh, was He was 10 for 14 in the draw against McDavid that night and won 14 wow. of 21 overall. Had six hits in that game, too. And also uh, that that one goal. So, you know, definitely something for him to be excited about or uh, I guess not excited about. They didn't win the game, but pleased with uh, that came from that game. But uh, something else I did kind of to segue into in terms of that topic and some a trend I've noticed uh, with Matthews going back to last year, but also more with the team this year. And, and this could have something to do with the way the roster constructed, but guys are finishing their checks. Yeah. Uh, most notably, I'd say Matthews and John Tavares are, I mean, Matthews had six hits last night. So I was kind of interested because I've seen that, uh, especially with Matthews, a bit of an edge to his game lately. And most notably in these last five. So I, I decided to check into his hitting stats. So to put it into perspective, he's got 11 hits already this year. He's credited for, he had 21 in his rookie year. He had 16 in 17-18. He had 28 hits in 18-19. And he had 40 last season. Wow. And what's he at, sorry, so currently? That gives you an idea. 11. Wow, 11 already. So he's already around the 50% mark. If you if you would average them out, he'd probably average out to, you know, I, I don't, don't even remember the numbers you said, but he'd probably average out to the mid-late 20s. 25 hits yeah. a, a year over the course of his career. So he's already almost at 50% of that in just a few short games. And that's without even being an 82-game season, right? So uh, I, I think that's exciting. And you know what, Lesko? We've had this talk before as far as fantasy is concerned. But, you know, just on the general side of hitting, I, I always have to wonder, like, what constitutes a hit? Is it when you, is it when you fall over? Is it just when you go crashing into a player? Like that, I don't know. It's it's and interesting. I'd that, like to know. I've heard that the individuals who are employed by the NHL that work in certain buildings are more generous with yes. the hits than others. Yes, in the so bar. There's, there's an ambiguity there, I guess. But uh, I mean, that's all we have to go off of. So we're yeah. gonna have to take it. It's true. It's the I old want to get it's into... the old Anton Volchenkov uh, rule because the Sens were nabbed for giving him so many blocks back in the day. They were just giving him 25 right. blocks in the game. He only had 12 on NHL.com, but they're giving him 25 in the arena. <laughs> so I guess my question for you, based on the Maple Leafs' first five game, which has been a bit of a mixed bag altogether, I've liked what I've seen for the most part, but do we have to be concerned, and in, maybe in particular about the offensive output of this team? I'm not concerned uh, at this point. The record is good enough out of the gate to not be worried if we were in the Vancouver shoes, you know, uh, not off to a, a screaming start, then I think maybe the, the concern level ramps up a little bit, but even still, it's, it's still just too early. Now, normally, what do you think let's go in an 82 game season? What do you think we give? And by we, I mean, just generally hockey fans, we give about what, like a month, like a, a well, month, it's like mid November, a month and a half. I believe it's, it it's the mid-November mark. I think it's American Thanksgiving. Yeah, American Thanksgiving. If the team you're out, out you're of the out. playoffs, it's like 98% chance you aren't making it. Yeah. So you can't start slow. You can't afford to. Yeah. So given the fact that they're figuring it out and it's five games in and it's small sample size, you can't read too much into it. If this is, you know, them figuring it out and, and, and this is their struggle, 
so far, then if we're going to extrapolate that into the season, then yeah, maybe it's not something to be overly concerned about. Well, I mean, you, you brought it up earlier with the time of possession, uh, ozone time, ozone presence from, from some of our big guys. And like, it's there and we're definitely getting looks like the looks are absolutely there for some of our star players. Um, I, I hate to, 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 to be this person because I love them and I've backed them forever and I have them in my keeper league and I'm super stoked. I drafted him this year. He kind of fell to me and I was pumped about it. It's William Nylander. And it's just like, come on, Willie, get there, you know, get there, take two more strides and be there. That's all. Like, he's so skilled and he's so smart and he sees the ice and plays every which way that I want him to play except for the fact that he just won't get there if he's not already there, if you know what I'm saying. If he's not already there, he's not getting there. And I'd love to see him get to that point. Really don't see it. You don't see it every... You know, consistently, like I thought he was far and away the Leafs' best player in the first game, and then maybe a little bit pedestrian in some of the others, but still doing what he does. And that's, you know, being a one man zone entry machine, right. carrying the puck up, establishing possession in the O zone. So there's a lot to like, obviously, as there always has been about William Nylander. Um, going back to the positive side of things, I have really liked what I've seen to, from Matthews. Uh, I know people are a little on him from the lack of goals so far, and me included, I love seeing the guy score, but. Let's look It'll at come. It, the goals are going to come. He's shooting 7% right now. 7%. His career average is 15%. And that's, so that's even high. And that's lethal that's, high. And that's a high, that's a high, you know, I think last year he was shooting like 17%. Yeah, that's, so uh, that's absurd. He's just, he's that's so good. He's yeah, so well, good. He has one of the, uh, sorry, dude. One of the best shots in the yeah, NHL. He's one, one of the, the best shots in the NHL. We know that. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot to be concerned of there. No. I did want to send it over to Johnny T, though. Johnny T looks different this year. He looks hungry. He looks like a man possessed. He's been consistently probably their best player through five games right now. Yeah, I agree. And he just looks – he's got a spring in his step that he didn't have last year. And, and I, I don't know if that's due to injuries or whatever. I'm just happy that – that the Johnny T that maybe we saw in the first year of the deal appears to be what we have right now. Dude, he looks like a really, really highly motivated player. Uh, that's what I see, a highly motivated player. And I, I think it's interesting to speculate on where that motivation comes from. And I think you can bring up a lot of things. You can bring up his family. You can bring up the the Leafs, the team that he just loved so dearly and, you know, gave everything he had to the Islanders and now he's here. Like this this is this is his chapter. And this is probably where it will end for him. And I hate to be that person as well. I don't want to be all doom and gloom, but come on, man, he's getting older. Like he's he's closer to the end than he is to when he started. Back when John Taveras at the World Juniors, you know, again, Canada's back in it. Like that's that's a long time ago. So like He's got something in front of him now, and he's got guys surrounding him. I think he believes in this team. And, like, he, he was a generational talent in the OHL, granted exceptional status. That doesn't happen by accident. And I think you can count on that type of player to be able to continue to bring it at an elite level every single night, well into, you know, years past their proverbial prime 
for some of their other yeah. more standard, you know, not not as elite status level teammates. Yeah. And I'm not knocking Tavares last year either. He had a great, you know, he had a good output. It was, you know, less than what he put up the first year. I just think he looks different on the ice. And I'm, I'm really happy with what I see. And that's what makes the Leafs a true threat and what makes them so difficult and should make them so difficult to match up against is that they have two first lines when they're going. They've got at least two, right? And then, you know, the changes made with the franchise in becoming a lot tougher to play against in the bottom six of the lineup. And we've seen, like I mentioned earlier, some physical play with the top six as well. Those are the kind of things that we wanted to see addressed. It's nice to see that they have been addressed and they just got to keep building off it. And I think they know this. And I think Sheldon is, has an opportunity here and I think he's taking advantage of it. Like we, something we have to, we forget often is that Sheldon's not coached this team for very many games. And he, this is his clean slate, his fresh camp to fully put together and mold this team based on the vision that he has for it instead of jumping on the moving train that was just so happened to be moving downhill yeah. when he jumped on. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, yeah, he definitely got handed the keys to uh, a pretty nice vehicle. It was an old beater that had to be, uh, you know, driven on, on spare wheels for a little while until they could, you know, afford some new parts or find some in the ditch. He got this vehicle ready to rock, you know, and maybe not necessarily ready to rock. There was obviously some moves that, you know, some people could call necessary. Others might say it was a bad decision to bring in some of those uh, veteran players, Simmons, obviously Spezza for another year, Thornton as well, um, you know, Bogosian. So it, it's interesting. We're not going to know until we know, right? And it's just such an incredibly unique season with the divisional play. And, you know, as we mentioned earlier, all the points staying in the division, it's, it's going to be a, a fun ride, I think, right till the end. Because as soon as you get closer to the end here, for a team like the Toronto Maple Leafs, whom we are anticipating to be high up in the standings come the end of the year, we're going to be interested in jockeying for positioning, man, and jockeying for who our first-round matchup is going to be. Now, I don't believe that any team ever throws uh, a sporting game so that they can play someone else, but it's important to you know know who you're playing against, try and get a favorable matchup, and not only that, Lesko, but try and get favorable records in comparison to the other divisions so that you may be able to have home ice advantage uh, moving into the third round of, of the playoffs, which is when we're first going to see the crossover uh, between the two divisions. Yeah. And that's another interesting question on its own because we've got to talk about potential quarantining. Are they going to do a bubble? Are we going to do all the games in one spot? Uh, it, that is going to be a super interesting uh, discussion once that nears its end sometime around the, uh, I guess, early summer. It all sounds like a logistical nightmare, and I'm so glad it ain't my job to deal with it. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Although you do deal with some pretty uh, nightmarish logistical situations, don't you, my friend? Yes, in my in my day to day uh, life, I do. So that's that's enough for me, I guess. And, Lots uh, of infrastructure and, over with the Lescos. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of move, moving and shaking going on around here. No so. kidding, buddy. No kidding. Well, what are you saying, my friend? Yeah. Anything, anything else you want to toss in here, or are we going to wrap it up for our uh, first, uh, our first video? I guess one more. Okay, what do you got? Uh, one, one more. I'm going to toss in. Uh, I got one thing for y'all to check out on Lesko's list. 
Uh, Joy Siegel did a piece on the origin stories of Sheldon Keefe. And uh, as you might know, if you're a regular listener, that we are big Keefe fans. Um, talking about his roots here in Pembroke and have how he kind of his coaching career came to be. Uh, some great interview ease in that um, article as well. Jeff Patterson, longtime volunteer of the Kings, mm-hmm. uh, big guy in the local legend as far as the hockey community is concerned. Uh, and in some good quotes as well from uh, a former player, captain of the Kings and coach of the Kings as well, and Sean Crozier. So I really enjoyed that one myself. And it's very interesting if if you're into that kind of stuff, and of course if you're local and and want to check in on that, it's definitely worth a read. And yeah, so I, I I should like when is the Athletic gonna start paying us for ads though? Because I spent a lot of time plugging their articles. When is the Athletic gonna give me the deal for the new subs? Oh hey, brand new subscriber, how about three dollars a month for the first year? Meanwhile, we'll charge this sucker yeah. the the regular amount. How about this? the fuck how about this if you're a regular listener you can reach out to me it's something i discovered that i didn't know the other day is that there are free 30-day passes uh that i can give away i guess to people what so i, I was looking on my account it says i think it's five i can give away and it gives you a 30-day trial uh, sub, eh, trial to subscribe to the athletic 30-day subscription so if anybody has been bitching about me plugging athletic articles that i like and are interested in delving into it and checking it out, you can reach out to me at Lesko Adam, Lesko at live.ca, or find me somewhere, and I will send that to you. So anybody wants that, you hit me up, first come, first serve, and I will share that with the people. Wow, a man of the people. And I will try to find more free content for my list. For future lists. Okay. All right. Well, that's going to be a tough out because I tried to read the Toronto Star article, which was basically a summary of the Babcock article, which was... It was best Chuck laying into him a bit. Yeah, but like, why the fuck do I have to pay for that? Why do I have to pay for the Toronto Star's article? Journalists got to get paid too. It's not public service. Yeah, but I mean, should they not get paid by sheer traffic? Like, if I'm going into that article, should I not be... Like, it's all logistics, man, right? Oh, if we get a whole conversation about how legacy media is, is a problem in this country and their uh, inability or slow adaptation to the current market. <laughs> sounds, like a, sounds like a university course I once took. Man, I got notifications yeah. everywhere. All right, listen. Yeah, it sounds like a boring podcast too. <laughs> I got I got a webcam and I'm not overly happy that I'm using my fucking cell phone right now to do this pod. So we gotta figure something out. Cause I got I, I bought a webcam and it's pretty you sweet. You have to figure something out. I guess I have to figure it out, yeah. I've been using the webcam to stream Warzone on Twitch with my buddies. Where can we find you on Twitch? Tell the people if they it's, want to watch uh, the words. So on Twitch, the channel is Coley P-I-D. C-O-L-E-Y. Coley P-I-D. I have no like avatar picture or anything. I just started it. Um, we, we had a game though, bro. I think we finished in fourth maybe. And it was epic. And it was on, it was on, on video and it was recording on the stream. And uh, we had some sweet 
team plays, you know how it is. The circle, everyone knows what Warzone is, and same as Fortnite. Uh, kind of same deal. Like it was, it was, it was fun. Uh, the boys were all over me for a little while. Like you should stream, you should stream. All these guys are streaming on Facebook and stuff, and all it is is them playing the game and and blah blah blah. And I was texting with you earlier about this today. Like we kind of inadvertently did that by accident when the Leaf game was on, and the boys were mentioning that I should do that all the time because uh, it was more entertaining to watch the game and listen to me f- react and yell and scream and stuff. And you said the same thing. You're like, you should definitely put yourself on record. <laughs> you yeah. know, even if you're by yourself, man, your, your in-game reactions to every even sometimes mundane play is second <laughs> to none. So... Uh, I will look forward to more footage of you watching the game, and and soon as I can join you for one, we'll we'll do something like that as well. So yeah, yeah I mean, I think we have the, the equipment, man. Like, you folks, and we've got the equipment. Well, I think we can definitely make that happen. It'd be a lot of fun. But I mean, obviously, let's go. We got to wait until we can be together again, right? Yeah, we've got we've got a few uh, few, uh, what do they say? Irons in the fire, so to speak, for you guys, and we'll definitely keep you posted on that as far as the content game goes nice all right take it away wrap it up son all right well we're wrapping it up thanks again for joining us here on the pucks and deep podcast josh coleman adam lesko you can find us on twitter at lesko adam at coleman 42 find the station at puck pod drop us a line email is real puck pod at gmail.com and don't forget to check out our first youtube video for the podcast channel on YouTube, you can find us. The channel's name is Pucks in Deep Podcast with that sexy-ass logo that Lesko drafted up and designed. Man, every time I see that Lesko, I'm a little bit more and more pumped each day. Man, You did a great job on the logo. Looks fantastic. Video is going to be up shortly. I, I, I have no promises, dude. I don't know how quickly it's going to be to edit this and, and look <laughs> at it. I'm sad. But part of me... I'll make a promise on the air you can't keep. Well, I'm going to get it up as, as soon as I can. Obviously, the audio is dropping immediately, uh, but we're going to do some uh, editing to the video and get it out there. I'm, I'm really looking forward That's to right. it. So thanks for joining us once again here on the Pucks and D Podcast. Episode 75 is a wrap, and we'll see you guys again when we see you. <laughs>